0: Hello and welcome to Blockchain Journeys. Did you hear the one about the Hollywood film producer who hangs out with a former Beatle and learnt about Bitcoin from Brock Pierce? John Karras is my guest on this episode. As a film producer, he's worked with William Hurt, James Brolin and Peter Falk. And he's now hooked up with Grammy-nominated recording star Akon to launch the Acoin cryptocurrency in Africa. You might have heard of it. Apart from banking the unbanked, the coin will also power a $2 billion futuristic city in Senegal called Acorn Crypto City. It's a really, really interesting chat, covering everything from John and Ringo's vintage car collections to the phenomenon of minitaires um, That's Africans who've amassed millions of prepaid mobile phone minutes that they use as digital currency. Enjoy. Hi, it's Andrew Fenton, editor of mickey.com.au, and welcome to Blockchain Journeys. I'm here in Malta with John Karras. Uh, he's a Hollywood producer who's produced films starring uh, people like William Hurt, James Brolin, Peter Falk, amongst other people. He's now working on a new crypto project with artist Akon in Africa. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh,
0: before we move on to uh, Akon, can you tell us a little bit about your career? I mean, did you always want to get into the entertainment business?
1: That would be a definitely yes. Um, I, uh, I started my career um, as an attorney, but that came after being uh, uh, very actively involved in entertainment, both music and uh, film and theater, growing up in the New York area. But uh, yeah, I always wanted to be in and around the entertainment business and have devoted the last 30 plus years to, to doing so.
0: Why is that? I mean, were you just like a, a big fan of movies growing up? Or?
1: Movies and music. Yeah? Rock and roll and movies were, uh, were big driving forces in my life, then and now. Uh, was, there a, was there a band that particularly inspired you? Uh, no, I just generally like, like music. I'd say probably the British Invasion was, uh, was it for me. Brit, you know, the Brits really seemed to, to uh, speak to me with the songwriting and, uh, and shows from The Stones and The Beatles to The Who and beyond. Uh, and fortunately I've gotten to know lots of them through the years and like them even more as people than I did just as uh, icons on a stage.
0: Have you got to know
1: any of the Beatles? I've met Sir Paul several times, and I've gotten to know Ringo pretty well. He used to be good friends with his wife. Wow. Yeah.
0: Is uh, is Ringo as much fun as
1: he seems? Ringo is more fun than he seems. <laughs> he's one of the great uh, happy-go-lucky guys on the world. Fantastic guy. We're both car guys, so we, uh, we end up talking about cars. I've got some vintage cars, and he's got a lot more vintage cars, so we, we have some good fun that way.
0: Awesome. Uh, so you founded Infinity Management in 1991. Was it was it difficult to get started? Uh,
1: it was. You know, there's all kinds of challenges with startups. For us, it was uh, it was fairly fluid. I had been an agent at the William Morris Agency. I partnered with um, with a friend who was a lawyer turned producer, um, and we started with a core group of clients. So much as all startup businesses are challenging, we hit the ground running pretty well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, you know, you, uh, you work with, uh, on, on films like Shadows with William Hurt and Carey, Yules, um, and Bitter as Sweet, starring James Brolin and Checking Out, starring Peter Falk. Um, we often hear of uh, Hollywood stars acting like divas. Have you ever experienced any of that?
1: Uh, I could tell you, but it would probably be not very politically appropriate. Um, you, can, you can talk in def- general. You don't have the, to have the names. There are definitely <laughs> moments when when you uh, you really would rather be something else, but it doesn't happen that frequently. You you find often during the casting process that you get a good sense of people's uh, personalities, their um, their interests, their desires, the way that they're likely to behave in stressful situations. <laughs> Uh, particularly by asking such questions, um, in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's a little different than you expect. I find generally though, most people are really are, are good people. Uh, that gives me a perfect segue to say um, part of why I did as much of a pivot as I did. Um, although we do a, a fair amount of film and TV and content business, um, when I'm at Acon, I, I really never encountered somebody that was so true of spirit and just such a a genuinely sweet and, and wonderful guy. So uh, with huge caring for other people and, uh, and just a genuine kindness. So a uh, little different from folks in the, in the movie business. I also spent many, many years in and around the music business uh, as our company had a, a very big division representing record producers. So spent thousands of hours in recording studios uh, for years with a a friend and client named Keith Olsen, who produced huge records like Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, and Foreigner Double Vision, and Grateful Dead's Terrapin Station, Ario Speedwagon, Two Biggest Heart albums, um, all, all kinds of records, and, um, you know, I've seen lots and lots of diva behavior in the recording industry with music superstars, um, probably more drama there than in the film and television business, but, uh, you know, Acon's a really unique guy, as as we'll get to later.
0: I remember um, hearing about uh, the Grateful Dead. They weren't divas so much as just like strange people, and are, they they were talking to one of their producers and said, "We we really want the sound of heavy air," and the producers got no idea how to get the sound of heavy air. Like, how do you, how do you do that?
1: Well, that that I couldn't say. I wasn't there during Terrapin Station. Um, I think they were just uh, you know guys that were really into the music and and quite interesting in our current life and world actually one of my colleagues at at A is actually Bob Weir's cousin so um he so was for the, any, the drummer was he the no, he's, he was the co-founder uh, a grateful great guitarist and uh, and the vocals would usually um, uh, lead vocals would usually vary from a Jerry Garcia song to a Bob Weir song mm. back and forth all through shows um, so, uh, amazingly, still around, still touring, and he's actually a fantastic guy, a um, lot of longevity. But uh, for me, I grew up actually as a, as a Grateful Dead fan. Were you a so deadhead? Were you following uh, them around? Probably. No, I didn't follow them around, but I saw quite a few shows going back to, uh, to relatively early days. Um, Fortunately for me, when I moved to California, they, they had a resurgence and I saw lots of shows then, uh, more than just the ones passing through the New York area where I grew up. But interesting to, uh, to, be, to be able to, you know, to talk to Bob and talk about some of those different uh, eras that the band went through and you know, life with Jerry in the early days and the band without Jerry now, so interesting.
0: Um, I was an entertainment journalist for 10 years and uh, I now write about crypto. Uh, for your part, uh, have you noticed similarities between the two industries? Uh,
1: the similarity to me is a sense of wanting to um, wanting to do something special, wanting to do something lasting. Uh, I think both industries, um, less about the content in the entertainment industry, more about the people, but there's a real sense of wanting to uh, do, do something good for the world, to give back. Um, I think that 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 drive affects both things quite a bit.
0: So, uh, how did you hear about Bitcoin for the first time?
1: Um, probably through Brock Pierce. Brock's a good friend of Akon's and mine, and, and probably through Brock. So. And how did Brock sell you on it? Because Brock obviously is a big it figure. Wasn't uh, wasn't about selling. So Brock isn't a, isn't much of a salesman. He's he's mercurial. He's enthusiastic and he's brilliant, and uh, you know his his just genuine excitement about things is compelling and you're like, well, if he's this excited about something, I should take a look at it. Uh, he's fortunately brought us into some some different ventures that uh, that are world changing and exciting and uh, you know it's like the old uh, Wall Street ad when such and so talks people listen and uh, for us, that's been really worthwhile. Um, brilliant guy and and a good friend so
0: so uh, you mentioned some other projects, other so crypto projects as well.
1: If I told you, I, you know, you know what happens with <laughs> the rest
0: of this. So. Fair enough. Well, I mean, let's talk about the project that you want to talk about, which is um, Acoin. How did you meet Acon for the first time?
1: Uh, Acon and I started working together a number of years ago. Um, originally, it was through an endorsement deal that one of my colleagues was working on. Um, they brought me in to help. Uh, Kind of finalize terms and get it, uh, get it documented, uh, we spent some time during that and started having deeper conversations about what we were each working on and where we were in our respective careers. And, um, and I was uh, kind of drawn into the swirl by, uh, frankly, his intelligence, his vision for what he wanted to achieve, and, uh, and a lot of commonality in that. Um, there also was a strong need for, um, for a certain level of business acumen and professionalism, so we started working on a number of <coughs> ventures, and, uh, and, and they range from social impact to tech to crypto, all kinds of things.
0: Um, Acon is known for uh, setting up all those solar-powered um, lighting stations across Africa When you were first getting involved I mean were you talking about blockchain or were you just talking about trying to make a difference in Africa?
1: Uh, our first activities were our first activities were um, I think really more on maximizing some of the revenue streams from different business opportunities that he either already had or wanted to start. Um, When he brought up uh, creating a blockchain-driven venture, um, we really got into some deep-dive conversations on what he wanted to accomplish and how. Uh, And then I set off to find and build and uh, first a vision and then a team to help execute it.
0: So, uh, why start up a new cryptocurrency? Why not just use you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or something like that to achieve your end?
1: Well, it's, it's less about, well, first of all, we're, we're building a, a true utility coin and its, it's main purpose is to uh, essentially help um, not only entrepreneurs in rising economies, but to help a lot of uh, frictionless transactions and more flexibility across rising economies africa first and foremost as Acon's from senegal and there is a gigantic need there there are fifty four countries fifty four currencies fifty four governments some better than others some more functional than others uh... there has been rampant inflation in various places through the years um, there is a very young and technically savvy population that often has leapfrogged over computers to mobile and uh... And it's a place that is um, that has a lot of need and a lot of opportunity. So uh, again, why an, our own cryptocurrency? We didn't feel like there was anything in the marketplace that did exactly what we needed and wanted to do. So our token, which is now built and is in beta testing, uh, and that's only a small part of the ecosystem, the token just creates um, frictionless transactions or mostly frictionless transactions uh, and does some unique things we've created a proprietary atomic swap mechanism within the token so that users can go freely from prepaid cell minutes which is a primary store of value in Africa into fiat currencies like dollar euro pounds and the local fiat currencies to a bunch of other cryptocurrencies from bitcoin ether ripple etc to uh, to the cryptocurrencies, the altcoins of our Dapp partners if they have them. So uh, that ability to just have an internal exchange mechanism creates all kinds of opportunities for, for local users, particularly again Africa, Southeast Asia, to a certain degree India, particularly rising economies and for us creating that was super important.
0: I think what we've seen with um, Facebook and Libra is that um, there's a lot of regulatory pushback um, from uh, the existing financial order to people trying to uh, bring in new financial orders. You're, um, you seem to be trying to have a new sort of economic system that unites these 54 countries, I think, in Africa. Do, have you had pushback?
1: It's, it's, it's the users in those places. We're not looking to supplant uh, national currencies. We're we're doing something that's an overlay for users to give uh, to give people more choices. Um, we're not uh, we're not again doing anything that um, it's more of a, a movement for people than a, hey let's go do something uh, negative to the existing world order or governments. Um, no, you want to you know, do something positive, but yeah.
0: th- they don't always see it that way. Like, I was just talking to the yeah. guy from World Vision, and he's saying, you know, they're trying to deliver aid in East Timor using blockchain, and they're still getting pushback because the, uh, the government doesn't like it.
1: Well, and, and therein lies the rub. Um, every implementation you brought up, Akon Lighting Africa, Akon has brought solar lighting into now 18 countries in Africa over the last six and a half, seven years. Um, every one of those projects was done as an RFP for either the national government or a local government, every single one. None of them were done privately. They were all done in a competitive bidding situation. They were all done with and through the governments. So we have a lot of political relationships, and um, and people are, are looking at us as folks that want to do good. And then secondly, um, you know, this is this is, again, a an alternative choice, and the people are already making that choice. The entire use of prepaid sell minutes versus traditional fiat currency in banks, which is how much of the transactional life occurs across the African continent, um, we just fit along with that. We're also, you mentioned Libra, we're also a last mile solution. There was a great article written a couple weeks ago about our efforts to bank the unbanked. Quite worthy for your for your listeners to take a look at.
0: You mentioned Akon sort of uh, can open doors. So I mentioned it's a bit like uh, Bono from U two. Like you get a certain level of celebrity singer. One of my favorites. You yeah. can uh, you can get stuff done that other people can't done. For the benefit of people uh, listening in parts of the world, you know, where Akon isn't as big. How big is he in Africa? Like what sort of level of celebrity is he? Michael Jackson big
1: uh... bigger than michael jackson
0: bigger than michael jackson yeah. wow that's, that's huge
1: uh... we need a huge security team when we go to africa not because we're worried about anyone wanting to harm him, just because of the number of people that just want to touch him want to take a picture with him want to shake his hand uh... want to thank him for the things that he's done for the continent um... it's it's unbelievable to see and participate in he also and we have big activities in africa particularly in uh... in, in music and tech Uh, starting to do a lot more in agriculture, uh, starting to be working heavily in smart cities and real estate development and housing, um, along with energy. Um, So lots and lots of activities, all of it to help uh, improve the conditional of living for the average person, not, hey, you're already rich, you live in a a palace or a mansion or whatever, we're going to come up with a different palace or mansion for you. This is really about helping the average person have a better set of opportunities, better quality of life. And people are incredibly appreciative of that. One other uh, just sort of fun anecdote, one of my colleagues um, who spent 20 years on Wall Street and then for the last three years has lived in West Africa in Abidjan and Côte d'Ivoire, um, he was there with his, uh, his wife and his sister-in-law in some local bar and uh, an Akon song came on and the entire place stopped chattering and sang along. And then another one came on, and they sang along. And this is, you know, midnight on a Thursday in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. Uh, you know, completely. Um, you know, just what happens in life there. So, um, here we go. Um, a lot of
0: people start up cryptocurrencies. Um, they obviously make some money out of it. You, is this a pure, purely a charity thing for you guys?
1: Uh, no, this is a, our belief is that all um, social impact ventures, if they're for profit, they will grow bigger, faster, better. Uh, of course, the profitability is some for the company, but equally and importantly for the users. Uh, the token is intended to be something that will increase in value, both by a limited circulating supply and by more and more and more utility and by a rising pool of assets on the company level. So, no, it is a for-profit venture, and, uh, and, and again, our belief from having done both things, as we do have a foundation, um, Acorn Foundation, uh, the company is indeed a for-profit venture. Uh, we have a lot of charitable activities and focuses, uh, so um, keep going. Please do. Uh, so, uh, you have a lot of charitable, <laughs> a lot of charitable activity for the listeners at home. Someone yeah. just came in, so we we're uh, slightly yes. distracted. Yeah, uh, lots and lots of them. From uh, again, uh, doing more things on the on the education side, on agriculture, and getting food resources to people, uh, on creating economic opportunities and entrepreneurial op- opportunities. Um, and that's just a growing pool of things. We have a, uh, a sort of timeline and list of things that we want to accomplish on an annual basis over the next five and ten years with very detailed plans. We're super fortunate to have a lady named Laura Plato, who used to run the Intel Foundation uh, as our executive director of the ACOIN Foundation. And she is a, a true pro with a great, not only vision, but a great team and a, a great Plan to implement uh, those visions. The other thing is that she started an ambassador program a couple of months ago, and within 30 days, we had over 250 ambassadors all around the uh, all around the world for for the ACOIN Foundation, and they're doing all kinds of things.
0: So, uh, tell me about the the problem you're solving. Um, you, you're mentioning before that uh, people trade minutes. Like you can be a air. Like in, in Africa, because yeah. people, they just don't have like bank accounts, you know, minutes
1: of... To... So well, there's a lot of people that are off the grid. They don't have uh, official identity. They also, uh, there's been a lot of inflation and they don't have, uh, banking is not the same as we experience it in the West. It's not like you'll just walk into your, your local, whatever, HSBC, Chase, whatever, uh, and, and open an account just by showing them your driver's license and giving them some money. Uh, it's a lot more complicated many folks do not have their ID locked in and um, and and so there's a whole economy that just goes um, through the uh, through the, the prepaid sell minutes. Um, they're often used for all kinds of transactions whether people are in the market buying fruit or meat or fish uh, whether they're putting fuel in their car transporting something it is, it's unbelievable to see. And then when you actually need the fiat currency, oft times, again because of inflation, uh, you'll you'll go in to get what you need for your daily usage, and it can be gigantic stacks of of bills that have become less valuable. That's mm. happened in a number of places. And this
0: is why people um, like the minutes because the minutes and uh, the, the minutes are contact. just
1: there on their phone, and the the population is very mobile. So um, it's it's highly adapted and people are using that um, on a daily regular basis. Um, so. And so A-Coin
0: actually interacts with these minutes and they sort of tokenize them so they can uh, swap them between different networks, they can trade them out for fire, that sort of thing?
1: They do. There, uh, there are a bunch of major um, cell phone carriers that people often buy extra minutes on their SIM cards. A lot of the users use many many um, different SIM cards. I've seen uh, young people with two or three phones in a pocket full of SIM cards
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with different values from different carriers, et cetera, et cetera. But it is a huge store of value, uh, and it's something that they trust. They know they're going to keep using that. They know they can trade them. They know that they can pay for things with them. But for us, uh, our last smile solution includes... Um, this this growing pool of tan agents or trusted area network agents that people can come in, exchange their minutes for fiat currency, like going into a, a money exchange or whatever, or use them as uh, as collateral for microloans. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they pay those back in a relatively prompt basis, they get more credit the next time, and they start to establish their financial uh, their financial profile, their credit worthiness, as it were.
0: Okay. Uh, Is it a stable coin or does it fluctuate in value? It is
1: not a stable coin. We have, uh, so there's sort of two pieces to this, and I I should make sure while we have time that I cover that. There's the token, uh, which is important, but even more important is the, um, what we like to call the DAP store. So within our wallet, there is a, uh, a growing pool of DAPs or decentralized apps that are there for our... Users define, and the biggest thing that we really are, and the big solution that we're looking to provide, is that there are all kinds of innovations in um, in the blockchain world that average people have not found their way to. And what we're really looking to be is a really strong marketing platform, initially curating that that pool of DApps in our wallet, eventually. Uh, really opening that up, and it is open to start with, but we've really curated the first number of dApps.
0: But w- what, what do they do? I mean, are they lending things? Are they trading things? All kinds things? of things. So, for,
1: for example, uh, Medici Land Governance uh, digitizes land records across Africa and beyond, Africa and South America initially. Uh, Connect Hub is digitizing medical records and pharma trials. Uh, Guardian Circle is an overlay 911 system that works globally. Um, we're doing a set of brand driven charity sweepstakes with uh, with lotterycom that'll be on there um, there are a number of uh, there's a pledge camp which uh, provides um, crowdfunding solutions and education for founders to help them run their businesses better uh, there are some uh, some coding tools there's uh, there's a variety of things that are that are uh, are other people's uh, really innovative uh, crypto solutions for all kinds of things. Um, so our mission is to help give people access to those things that they might not have found otherwise by curating it and then helping those, uh, those blockchain uh, businesses find more users, particularly in rising economies. So while they may have people in the US and Western Europe and, and Asia using some of these things. They often can't find access to Africa, Southeast Asia, parts of South and Central America, etc.
0: So when does the whole thing, you know, kick off? When does it go live?
1: Well, Andrew, no. So we're in beta testing now. We will actually be live within the next, somewhere in the next 75 to 90 days. We'll also be doing our IEO in the next 90 days. And how so, do
0: you get people on board? Like, uh, obviously it's an attractive platform for them but they still need to hear about it and still need to understand it.
1: I'll give you one little anecdote. The first time that we mentioned um, A-Coin was in an interview at Conlines uh, a year and a half ago. Um, we were very very early days and we got eighty-some thousand uh, emails in the first six hours. Crashed our system. <laughs> we did not have enough people to really service that. As we start to do uh, press about this and talk about it from Akon's biggest platform, which is uh, the stage and um, and a lot of the film and television and radio interviews that he does, um, there's just a huge amount of reach out. Um, in fact, there's been more reach out, again, that we've had to add a lot of folks in to, to be able to help um, integrate folks, answer questions, do customer service, etc. So we're really not... Uh, what we're far more concerned about is making sure that at launch, the system is, is completely functional, ironclad, and that any, uh, any questions are there to be answered with a, a, a vibrant and well-informed customer service team.
0: And for people listening to this who uh, aren't as interested in charity as they are in making money out of investing in coins, like is this an investment opportunity for various people?
1: Of course. Mm -hmm. So it's an investment opportunity mainly because the huge drive of this is social impact driven, as in creating ways to bank the unbanked, creating tools for young entrepreneurs to, to succeed in rising economies. And that trickle-down economics, empowering the people, is, is the most important thing. I say this uh, this same thing way too often. Um, our mission is not to, uh, to provide people with a fish so that they can eat dinner tonight, but to give them a fishing line and teach them how to use it so they can feed themselves forever. That's what we try and do on a daily basis. As we look at the depths to put on the platform, we're looking for things that will give them tools to to create their future, um, wherever they may be. The US, Europe, Africa, Southeast Asia, wherever they are, South America, to give them tools to create their future, and hopefully the world's.
0: So uh, what's the total supply of this thing? And is it it an inflationary currency? Do you add more to it? We don't don't... add more to it. It's a
1: fixed system. There are 400 million tokens only. Uh, They're not in circulation at IEO. The way IEOs work, uh, as I'm sure you know, typically we'll start with uh, 10% or so of that available and circulating. Uh, We work closely with Dell Tech Bank in the Bahamas in Nassau. They're a 74-year-old private bank. Uh, They also happen to be one of the prime banks of crypto. They are the largest holders of crypto assets, pushing up on 5000000000 billion. They're the bank of Tether, of Bitfinex, of quite a few others. so uh, we're actively working with them to to manage our token supply, uh, make sure that there's we have a, an escrow mechanism and some other hedging uh, strategies to make sure that there's not some speculative behavior that affects the value negatively. Because again, this is meant to be a true utility coin used by users on mass across the world.
0: Well, a fluctuating value certainly uh, makes it more difficult to use like that, doesn't it?
1: Not necessarily, because what uh, as we talked about on the DAP platform, there are multiple stable currencies that'll be in there. Uh, Tether, most likely, we've not struck our deal with them, but we're, you know, we're we're looking at Tether and several other stable coins, so that people can be in quote unquote a coin, and same as people do settling their transactions in and out of Tether, they can go back to Tether. There's some several other commodity backed stable coins that they'll have access to. And uh, we'll have a, a number of educational uh, modules that people can look at. And we'll say, look, be an A-coin and, and bounce back and forth to where you want to be. And, and again, that's our version of that. We don't want to lock the value to, you know, say a dollar or whatever on a daily basis because we want the value to grow over time. Mm-hmm. We want the users and those... those uh, growing economies to have a way to make money, to have it be a store of value instead of just a prepaid sell minute that stays relatively fixed, to have a tool that can increase in value. And part of how we're doing that is with uh, limiting the circulating supply.
0: Um, how much of the supply is uh, reserved for the team?
1: Less than ten percent.
0: Less than ten percent, and one um, of the problems with uh, banking the unbanked, uh, especially with the new FATF regulations, is um, KYC and identity verification. Mm-hmm. How how are you uh, dealing with that issue? Because a lot of these people don't have passports, they don't have driver's license. I mean, but you will need to presumably verify them, or is it going to be used like cash?
1: Uh, investors need to be verified. Uh, users don't. So if somebody was, uh, you know. Um, if somebody was going to uh, go into a, a TAN network or buy you know x number of tokens on the uh, um, you know on an exchange or whatever, that's that's uh, that's up to the way those people regulate. But for investors that are that are buying the tokens from us, it's all KYC AML. Okay, fantastic.
0: Um, look, I think it sounds like a really interesting project, and I uh, wish you luck with it. Thanks so much. Uh, Thanks for joining us here on
1: uh, Blockchain Journeys. Okay, Blockchain Journeys it is. On we go. (laughs) Cheers.
0: Well, thanks for joining us on Blockchain Journeys. Uh, Please remember to subscribe or leave us a nice review. We're still pretty new, so we're uh, grateful for any help that you can give us to spread the word. Until next week, goodbye.